Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Are Revolting, a definitive weekly news source for contemporary gays. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. Show your love by following us on Instagram or Twitter, or join our Facebook group at The Gays Are Revolting. Support our show and listen to bonus after shows by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash gaysrevoltingpod. Hi, oh, oh, <laughs> hey, I meant to say, can I show you something? This is real stupid. Sorry. Can I do something? It's so silly. This is my... Sorry, guys. Bear with me. Go for it. This is my new... Oh, I can't do it without the internet. Fuck you. I downloaded like a... No, I can. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Are you guys ready? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Welcome to the gays are revolting. And then... To the gays are revolting. What the? Oh what my is god! That? Is that the stupidest thing? What That's how I is? tell people I'm breaking up with them now. <laughs> <laughs> I send them a little book. <laughs> I love it. It's you. I can't not wait me. for you to get diagnosed with COVID 19 and have to send that to every guy you've rooted <laughs> just being. Like, I did. That's why. Uh, that, that's oh all I god. did today. Oh, I love it. Do you how love that? Yeah, good, good. So how is everyone? Uh, Great. Good. Nice to be back in the studio with everyone. Yeah. No, Carl's not here. Kyle's not here. here. Kyle's off in, uh, in South, South Africa. Africa. He didn't yes. survive Sydney. He was no. killed. He's not part of the show anymore. <laughs> no, he's off for a romantic trip with his partner yes. and visiting his dad as Visiting well, which is dad, which cute. Is huge, cute, cute. Yes. Um, I had something really funny happen the week after we got back oh, yes. from Sydney. Yeah. So it was... Josh's sister's daughter's birthday, and we went to her what? house, and she was like two years old. So Josh's niece. Just yeah. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I was going to say that we have a word for that, that, but yeah, <laughs> it was her second birthday, and like we we're hanging out with the kids and stuff, and we got home, and Josh and I were mucking around, and like I chased him up the stairs, and upstairs we have our lounge room in our kitchen. Yes, yeah. and so I'm chasing him around. The You're chasing kitchen. Josh, your boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, right. Okay, so I'm chasing him around the kitchen table. And just being silly. And then we went off and like watched a movie and we're lying in bed and we were very, very stoned at this point. And all of a sudden we hear Josh's brother and his partner at the front door talking to someone. And we thought they just ordered Uber Eats and we're just like, oh, they're just getting an Uber Eats and mm, must be a hot mm, guy mm. that they're talking to. But then we listened a little bit more and all of a sudden they start giving out their details and we were just like, 
hang on a second, what's going on? And they, like, run to our bedroom and they, like, rip the door open. They're just like, the police are here for you. And we were just like, what? What do you mean? What did you do? And, like, we thought someone was, like, reporting us smoking weed. And we were just like, oh, my God, like, we're so high right now. What the fuck? I know where this is going. And so then we went to the front door. We're like, hello? And he, the, there was a male cop and a female cop, and the male cop goes, ah, oh, we um, had a report of um, domestic, like a oh. domestic that had happened. And we were just like, what? And he was just like, yeah, um, there was a report that a male was chasing around a female with long brown hair. Oh. And I turned around and was like, your partner has well, <laughs> this is my partner, Joshua. He has long brown hair. <laughs> and yeah. like, at this point we started giggling and we were just like, what? Like, no, no. Like I was just chasing him around. Like we were being silly. Like, I'm so sorry that you guys had to come out. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, like who reported this? And they said, oh, one of your neighbors saw through the window. And we were just like, what window? And so like, cause where our bedroom is, there's a fence. So you can't see into our bedroom yeah. window. There's one window right at the kitchen sink and we had the blinds open and right across from us, you can see right into the next apartment. Right. And so they must have seen us just being silly and phoned it in straight away. And we were just like, oh, that's really lovely that you guys are looking out for us. But at the same time, we were just joking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just cooked. Yeah. (laughs) We're just cooked and... But yeah, I thought I was getting arrested. Yeah. (laughs) Just relax after that. But no. How, how, how y'all been? Do you did you enjoy our Sydney concert? You're yeah, being in I the had Mardi a lot Gras? of fun. It was yeah. that was that was our rowdiest. Yeah, definitely the rowdiest show. Yeah. I feel like definitely most comfortable show as well. I that definitely we've done the most I've ever drank at a show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most uh, audience. I talked to to the bar manager mm. after our show. Did you guys? Did you guys talk to him? No. And he was like, "You you you damn homosexuals." Have Gone done drunk us oh, out of rose. Oh, really? yeah, they, they, they <laughs> ran out of like, we ran out of rose. Yeah, they went up for a pale wow. ale after that. Like, no, we got no pale ale. It was like red wine, no red wine. Like, oh yeah, we, we drank them out of stock. We yeah. drank wow. the house down boots. Well yes. done, everyone. That Our pink dollars were going to a good place. Though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we we saw the little. Well, it's big now. The mm. big parade. I didn't see the big parade. You no, the march. I no, Mike home. and I both had to leave yeah. Saturday morning. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see the parade. Who no. was with me? One of you guys were with. No, me. neither of us were with you. No, <laughs> we went no, back to Universal. One of you guys. Oh, what was oh, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Friday we went, night we yeah. stayed for drinks. Yeah. Friday night we went to Universal, yeah. and then All Saturday we went back to Universal to watch no. the parade. Saturday we went there. You no. were no, no. It wasn't. no. This is you've been doing a lot more than smoking weed. Clearly. <laughs> And we went to Puftuf afterwards. No, no was that not wasn't me. us, Dan. I was in Melbourne, tucked up in yeah. bed. <laughs> Speaking of festivals, uh, this week the Melbourne Queer Film Festival has just started. Yes, it has. Uh, exciting time of year. And we have uh, Spiro Economopoulos, uh, the program director of the festival, joining mm. us for a chat about queer film. And all the yes, exciting things that are happening in this year's festival program. It's sexy. It's informative. Mm. It's it's a little... It's culture. <laughs> Culture. It's a good one. It's a little wet We're one. also going to be talking a little bit about sherry pie, so hang around yeah, for that. There's a little drama pie. that's been happening there. And for all of our patrons out there, in our after show, we will be talking about avoiding an ex mm. and your unfortunate encounters. Yeah, and <laughs> tips on how tips. to avoid exes. <laughs> and we had a little bit of a weird pinch with uh, Apple iPod page yes. with some, some really poorly... <laughs> grammatically poor <laughs> reviews from some homophobes. Yeah. So I want to yeah, say, never, you know, if you're going to uh, s- send us hate, like 
Google how to spell the words. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck a capital at the start of the sentence yeah. and yeah. a full stop at the end of it. I'm yeah. happy. Yeah. But well, um, even a sentence would be great. Yeah. Some of them were just like wasn't. gay. <laughs> gay is fine because gay that's one accurate. Star. You know, but, but gay yeah. and one stars mean. But um, thank you to all the new listeners and the new reviews because we got yes. a flood through. That's My nice. ego needed that boost. Yeah. <laughs> I've been a monster for the past week. Thank you, everyone. And if you want to jump in and give us an extra nice review, jump yes. onto uh, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast from. And leave a lovely and, review. And uh, give, us, give us a five star. Thanks. So do it while you got a chance before Apple takes away your voice. Yeah. Down with capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> Down with capitalism. Should we get started? Uh, yeah, let's get yeah. into it. Let's get into yeah. it. I got, I got my white underwear on. I washed out all the blood. It's as simple as that. Let's get the show rolling. Okay, so it's been hard to, to miss this story. And it, when, it, when it was kind of happening, I got a, a, quite a lot of messages because it seems like the, the perfect story for mm. my Venn diagram of interests. Yes. Yeah. If you don't know where this is going, it involves a little bit of RuPaul's Drag Race a bit of Nancy drawing on the internet, yeah. catfishing. Which is one of your favorites. <laughs> Which yes. is one of my favorite things. And um, uh, uh, cancel culture, I guess, as well. So yeah. it was like a real myriad of interests of mine. Um, so I'm excited to dig into it. A little back background for listeners that may not be up to speed on it. RuPaul's Drag Race Season 12 started two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. Uh, yeah. And it was actually a few days before... For episode two, they've done yeah. spoiler alert as well. Uh, we're going to talk about the last two episodes and mm. maybe some Reddit stuff. Uh, prior to the second episode where they've split the contestants into two groups, 25-year-old former actor or current actor mm. made a statement online spelling out some questionable behavior yeah. uh, that had transpired between him and... And uh, the contestant, Sherry Pie, back in 2015. Yes. Um, which actually, when you say it, isn't that it's long It's not that ago. long ago, no. Uh, I don't really think it matters how long ago it was. No, it yeah, doesn't. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, now, the allegations, basically, to give a really broad summary mm. of it, was that Bennett actually dated the housemate of Sherry Pie. Um, and basically, uh, Sherry had put him in contact with mm. Alison Mossy, uh, who was working in casting for a prestigious uh, playwright? Allegedly, uh, working allegedly in working yes. is the, the, the <laughs> y'all wanted a twist on this um, in New York City, and and had said this is a really great opportunity for you. Mm. He uh, immediately got a lot of email responses from this Allison um, with scripts for a upcoming production called Bulk. Yes. Um, which was about steroids and mainly, it seems, how they make you smell bad. Um, yeah. It was really quite a strangely sexual mm. script. Mm. And in the industry, you do the, do it a lot. I said, fuck with actors a bit. And they yeah. would get these sort of things where it's just like 10 it's minutes of dialogue. When you're saying fuck with actors, you literally mean you were fucking actors, not that you were also playing these catfishing yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I dated <laughs> i dipped my toes in in dating actors uh and and they'd often get these requests so it doesn't actually seem that out of line no, yeah mm-hmm. uh to get email saying hey get in front of a camera read this out yeah the content of the scripts though were mainly uh, sexual and about yeah. bulking up putting on weight using mm. steroids stopping using deodorant seemed to be yeah. a recurring theme throughout these videos it, it got to the point where ben had to decide whether to move to New York City, which meant ending his studies. It was yeah. a, it was a big decision. Communication had gone cold with Alison mm-hmm. um, Mossy, and so he decided to 
call this uh, company in New York City where they said, we don't know that person. Yeah, that person that person they don't exist. exist. That person yeah. don't exist. You've been catfished. Mm. And he immediately connected the dots, knew who would put him in contact yeah. and was like, this is Sherry. Sherry has these videos oh, yeah. and I need to say something. I, w- I would say within 48 hours, about six other men have mm. come out with yeah. very similar stories of varying mm. degrees of, of, of discomfort mm. and, and yeah. Aggress- uh, aggressive. aggression yeah. and inappropriateness. Yeah. Um, so all the way from some stories being like, I sent a couple of videos, I knew it was yeah. fishy, I stopped. All the way to other actors, you know, getting uh, sort of, I wouldn't say bullied, but coerced. misled and coerced yeah. into performing sexual acts like yeah. masturbating yeah. in front of camera well like because what the original guy that came out with the statement said that sherry was actually helping him with some of the filming mm. of some of the um dialogue that they were going yes. through and was actually physically there yes. when he was masturbating yeah. yeah has footage of all of that as well the premeditated element mm. to this is mm. that he used the allison mossy character or persona to insert himself as yeah. Joey into these people's lives. Yes. So Alison yeah. would, Alison quote unquote would say, hey, you should spend more time with Joey. Joey will coach you through these yeah. scenes. Mm. And so that way he sort of ingrained himself mm-hmm. into mm. uh, the whole process, which to me shows a level of premeditation and, and thought yeah, absolutely. Ar- around this. Um, now the fallout is obviously this is a, a pretty horrific thing to do yeah. um, to numerous people were over a span of years and the uh, online community was not particularly pleased about it. Yeah. Keeping in mind this episode hadn't even aired yet. No, it was literally the day before it aired that mm. this came out. Yeah, so Sherry had not had a single second of no. screen time as mm. of yet. It, it got to, I think, the day before the episode where VH1, the network that mm. now screens... A drag race in America released a statement. It was around the same time Sherry released her own apology on yeah. Facebook, um, saying that they had disqualified her. Yes, and for she won't, whatever be, that she won't means. be appearing in the finale. And, and just for people that aren't big drag race fans, can you sort of explain how the filming works and how the filming of the finale works in the time, time why it's possible to uh, exclude her from the finale but not from the actual series? See, this is a big discourse online mm. because a lot of people have said, well, you've acknowledged that Sherry is a yeah. person you don't want to condone. Why not edit her out of the show mm. or cut her out of the show now? The reality is this drag race film's like six to eight months in advance. Yeah. All this stuff is in the can. Yeah. Uh, and not only is it filmed, it's completely edited, yeah. cut, post. It, it's, it's wrapped. ready to go, yeah. It's wrapped with a bow in it, yeah. ready to go. And and the amount of work to actually go back in and open it up at yeah. a day before it's it been is. sent yeah. off yeah. to the network. It's, like, it's, it's, it's done. Um, but the filming of the finale happens just before it airs, which is why yes. they're going to remove her from that. Yeah, yeah. so uh, the finale is generally filmed after the season airs mm. live. You know, it's not aired live, but um, it's why they can adjust that. Yeah. Now, the difficulty and I think where the conversation is getting into some ethical mm-hmm. and moral grounds that is really sort of important, I think, to explore is the... This is... Nancy Drew Reddit spoilers is that uh, Sherry is actually one of the top four. Mm. Yeah. Uh, So uh, she never lip syncs. Mm. Just going to put that out that this Mm. whole season, there's no opportunity for them to do a weird cut in a voiceover to say, hey, Sherry's going home and remove her. Mm. She doesn't 
get in no. that position. Yeah. And as we all know, anyone who's watched Drag Race, if you make it to the top four, you generally have a pretty positive edit. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. They are very good at making someone look yeah. good. Look, I, I um, in in respect to that part of the whole story, I rarely say something good about RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm. But I think that their response has been quite good to the oh, whole yeah. thing. I mean, they've, they've listened to what people are saying and, yep. and they've decided that it's not okay for that person to, to be in a position to potentially mm. win the show. There's another element to it, which is what about all the other queens in this season? And they yeah. people forget that with reality TV shows, there's a lot of personal time and money that's, that's been invested the to, into the show from all of the other queens. And for a lot of them, so if there's a group challenge and you eliminate mm. Sherry, you're going to have to eliminate a lot of the, the footage of all of all those of queens. Together, yeah. and, and also a lot of the, the show is about how they interact with each other and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I dare say they probably will go in, even though they're saying they're going to air it as is. I dare say they'll probably go in and take out some of her sob stories mm-hmm. and just replace that with more footage of Michelle Visage being yeah. holier than thou, whatever the fuck they have in the can, and <laughs> they can easily slip in there. But I think the way that they've gone about it has been really good. They've, they've said, yeah. look, we, out of respect for all the, all the other queens, um, we will air the show with her in it, but we are eliminating her from the finale because yeah. we don't want to encourage that kind no. of behaviour. Mm. That's it. I think the grey area with that, and, and I fully understand that, and the, the aspect that I hadn't thought of until you know, I was spending a bit more time online is that there are designers involved and people, people that have put their creative, you know, she's wearing other people's designs. Totally. Because the designer of all of her outfits put forward a statement being like, I'm so sad that I can't now use any of my work because it is attached to her. But then people were coming forward and being like, look, Obviously, don't use any of that stuff, but we still love everything else you do. Yeah. You design for all the other queens. Like, keep doing that. Like, we'll mm. still support you. Like, it's all good, but mm. they it, seem it, very down. That's like a, a sort of casualty. Mm. Yeah. The design is a casualty on this. The other thing that is important to keep in mind is so far for episode two, VH1 did display a, a sort of warning. Mm. Oh, really? At okay. the yeah, start they did of the, the episode, which I thought was very responsible thing yes. for yeah. them to do. Whether that sticks around for each episode... Mm-hmm. Which I think it I'm, should. I hope they do. I, yeah. I'm uncertain as to whether it will. Yeah. Because the negative... And just to play devil's advocate, I, it's not necessarily my opinion. Mm. The The other side to this is if you give a platform to someone who uh, is not a very nice person, we have the assumption that everyone knows this and mm. has yeah. read the backstory or whatever. Uh, the, the truth is it might actually just be a minority of our community that does. Yeah. Mm. And we'll see this person doing well on a television show and think this person's great, mm-hmm. uh, really champion them and fall in love with their creative outlet. Yeah. And you end up in a sort of weird Brian Singer, you know, Roman Polanski, where people have a positive connotation yeah. to people that um, have some really negative behaviours. Mm. We can't assume that everyone watching the show has the full buffet of information that Mm. we do and so therefore we end up in a really gray area where are we actually just letting people that aren't involved in the online drag race community fall in love because with this person with this person because drag race is very good at that Mm. they're very good at editing a positive narrative Mm. for a contestant if they want you to really think highly of yeah, them. Yeah. And if this person makes it to top four, they've absolutely done that. Yeah. For Sherry. Without a doubt. 
Um, I was listening to Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange have a podcast called Sibling Rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were sort of weighing in on the situation. But what they were talking about was last year in the New York scene, sort of like November-ish, there were rumours and allegations going around that some other gay guy had come forward saying she's been catfishing me, like these are the allegations going around, just in the New York scene. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Bob the Drag Queen was running like a few different nights and Sherry was the head of those nights and so pulled her aside and was just like, hey, look, these are the allegations. Unfortunately, I'm just going to have to let you go. Yeah. Like, I can't associate myself with this stuff. If they are true, I don't know. But if it does come to light that this is a real thing, then sorry, we can't have you on. And they were saying, like, thank God we did that. Like, Mm. thank God we took the side of the person that was coming forward and being like, no, this is what's happened. Yeah. It also poses the question about the background check that's been done because... Well, this is a very hard thing. I mean, people are sort of accusing reports of that. But, you know, these victims of this this crime have not wanted to speak about it publicly Mm. before, and I completely understand why. So that information wasn't really freely available to the producers of the show to find out. When something like that happens like of, of course you're going to be humiliated that a that yeah. you fell for it but b that there are videos out there that could surface mm, of yeah. you doing things and these are people that want to work in an industry that is very sensitive to have you had photos mm-hmm. taken in the nude before or whatever mm-hmm. uh, is your name tarnished because you've done something that's perceived by people to be slutty or whatever yeah so mm-hmm. I, I it's kind of yeah I, I have seen people accusing the producers of not doing enough background checking but where was that information for them to find well, well it looks yeah. like mike is just saying it was. Uh, yeah i know but that's yeah. that's sort of like quiet whispers happening on the drag scene yeah. at a bar and we know that Rue has like, nothing to do with the physical drag no. scene so and <laughs> but I think the that people w- in casting do and yeah. because that's where they're scouting the people and there are a few queens of questionable merit mm. yeah. in this season I'm just going to say that mm-hmm. from what I've seen online a lot of these stories were well known mm. yeah. or common knowledge mm. prior and there's a really telling there's a the the queens do the build series interview before yeah. the ser- series air where yes, they yes. introduce them all mm-hmm. and there's a really telling and it's a cutting cutting oh, moment yeah. where Sherry Pie walks out and the first oh my audience God. member yes. clocks her turns, <laughs> turns around away. looks at the camera yeah. and goes and gives an eye roll yeah, she right. knows the tea she knew what was she's going come on. out on twitter she's like give me do whatever i yeah. the tea was known yeah. yeah and so i think there is a level of due diligence there just in terms of the platform that they have within our community. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on a similar hand, two queens have made transphobic comments mm-hmm. on their own social media yeah. uh, prior to this show being filmed. Yeah. One and of them that is, should have been yeah. vetted at least, you know, if, you, if you're in a perfect world, still want to cast them, get them to remove it or yeah, something. Yeah. The fact that it's still there shows that, you know, I've had friends mm-hmm. lose their jobs because of things they've posted on social media. Uh, Why and, do you like- see... Oh, my God. This Okay, look, I've talked about this before and I've posted about this on my Facebook recently and stuff. But what I find really fascinating about this whole thing mm. is you're willing to cancel this queen because of that. You're willing to cancel other queens because of their transphobic comments. If you ask me, RuPaul specifically said that he does not count trans people doing drag as drag. He's also not doesn't count cis mm. women as doing drag. In the live Melbourne p- recording, mm. I personally said that I can't watch any more of this show. To me, it's to go back to the day... Medna thing, Dame Medna was my icon. It's why I do comedy. Yeah. But when he made those transphobic comments, I couldn't, in all good consciousness, support or enjoy what he does anymore because I can't encourage that kind of stuff. Mm. And I find it really interesting. And I'm not having a go at you personally, Luke, but just, just as someone in the gay scene and, and reading all these stuff on Facebook, and I have read all the articles, I have not watched the episodes because I have said I'm not going to support the show anymore mm-hmm. unless there's a specific episode that I need to watch to talk about on this podcast and I don't feel I needed to watch. Th- 
that episode to talk about this on the podcast. I'm not watching the show anymore. Yeah. But I find it really interesting that you're able to separate RuPaul's comments about people in the community and and support the show still, and yet see other people in the show doing it and have an issue with that. And and, and, and pl- I know this sounds like I'm personally attacking you, and I'm not. Mm. It's something that I see across the entire community, and I cannot comprehend why we're all still letting this person be the be all and end all of drag when they are incredibly problematic. I've seen the actions that he's taken and I've been a huge critic of RuPaul as an individual Mm. on numerous times and I've Mm. been a critic of World of Wonder for their practices Mm. in terms of liberties that they've taken with queens and their artistic careers. So, like, I'm, I'm extremely critical and always have a critical eye. At the same time, I'm not going to myopically cancel them out because... You know, I read your post and uh, at the same time, World of Wonder as a corporation is something, a company that looked out, saw what Dragula was doing online, Mm. like that was a YouTube series, Mm. saw that that show was doing something representing a different market of the drag community that isn't covered by RuPaul's Drag Race and gave them funding for two more seasons, Mm. which now, you know, and, and World of Wonder is a corporation that employs and gives uh, jobs to people within our community. But I'm talking about RuPaul as a human, as an individual who mm. has, pers- has said um, that he won't have trans people on the show. Yeah, I think... That's a, that's a whole topic on itself. But I just want to say, I just find it really interesting that this this person, and, and there's been a few other contestants that have made transphobic yeah. comments that are getting called out for it, and yet the host is getting... And, I mean, it was Lady Bunny, I think, had the, the best tweet about this whole thing, saying, yeah. oh, there's someone that's, you know, getting people to do embarrassing videos and is, is problematic and that sort of stuff, but you yeah. can't fire the host of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, that's just a bit of a side comment, but it's just been really fascinating watching this whole conversation happen, and yet people still not going back mm-hmm. to this hugely pro- problematic part of the show, which is the host refusing to hire anyone that's not a cis man as a contestant on and give them a platform. What about Gia Gunn? Gia Gunn, who transitioned after initially appearing on the show. Is that correct? I don't, I'm not as yeah. good as with my history. Yeah. She was on All Stars. She was on yeah. All Stars after already having. Yeah. yeah. I think RuPaul has some problematic stances and has been held accountable for it by the community, hence the sort of cutting out of problematic comments. Yeah. You and know? look, that, that bit's yeah. proactive. And, I'll give them that. Yeah. The, and the removal of certain, certain mini words. challenges. Yeah. He's adopting this don't ask, don't tell policy. Yes. But I think holding one person solely, it, it's its much bigger than that now. It's not RuPaul's Drag Race. It's technically called mm. that, but it's a team of like... Yeah, the, I know. Of, of I just think that... Per, people. The, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and, I, I've, and, I've taken us on a tangent away from the topic. <laughs> yeah. It's just something that I just... Yeah, I can't stop thinking every time I read these articles. To go back to the topic, yeah. and I'm not at all in any way defending uh, Sherry Pye's actions, mm-hmm. but it does also sort of raise some questions about why was this person doing this? What mental state yeah. was this person in when they were doing this? And, and I think it sort of goes back to something we've talked a lot about before, which is about self-acceptance, self-love. Mm-hmm. And so there was obviously... I mean, there's some pretty common themes of certain fetishes within these videos and these emails that have come out. And there was obviously, I think, from an outsider's perspective, a sense of um, Mm self-loathing, self-loathing, which is why Sherry used a mask to sort of enact these fantasies. There's no, that is not a defense in any way, shape or form, but it does sort of highlight the need for us to have open conversations about healthy mm. fetishes and how to um, act them out in a healthy way and how to meet people in a healthy way and and 
take part. Because like of I think the biggest issue here is about consent at the end. Of Absolutely, the day. like yeah. that is yeah. the biggest thing here. Because yeah. it's like there's no issue whatsoever with having a fetish if you live no. it out healthily. If you yeah. go and approach people who are willing to be involved in Absolutely, what you're doing, yeah. But the way that she's gone about it is just horrendous. And I think like, that probably has come from some sort of deep self-loathing. Yeah. That is not an excuse to act it out in those ways. Mm. But but yeah, it is interesting and it shows that we do need to still be having those conversations that even people who are obviously outwardly quite confident in certain yeah. elements can still have these um, these deep-seated issues. In this case, it's, it's come out in a really fucking awful way that has yeah. really damaged other people's lives. Yeah. How do we feel about her apology specifically that she put out on Facebook? Because when I read it, like, it was very much like, okay, like, this person is acknowledging what they have done. First of all, great. Um, When I was listening to Bob's and Monet's podcast, they were saying that in this apology, they said since coming home from the show they've been seeking help and they've not been out in the scene and mm. they've been Cherry, doing, Sherry, yeah, Sherry, yeah, like yeah. doing everything to become a better person and then Bob and Manet turn around and just like well that's actually bullshit because you've been out on the scene you were still doing this right. up until December you finished filming in July mm-hmm. yeah. and so they were turning around and saying like what you've actually put out is ingenuine mm. and then that absolutely changed my mind on the perspective of mm. that apology and I'm just like I, I just don't know where I sit now. Well, yeah. Aquaria came for as well. Oh, did and she? Aquaria came and said, watch your words. You're in yeah. very thin ice in our community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is tricky territory. I, I, mm. It's popped up before. I've never, like, speak to someone's mental health no, and, and, no, and yeah. what state they're in because we just don't know. You just don't know. Uh, the interesting thing for me is, like, even in this conversation, we keep referring it to catfishing and, mm. like, to me, when I read this and I've watched seven whole seasons of, catfish mm-hmm. yeah uh, and and not in a single episode has something gone to the extent of this, this stuff, okay, yeah. that i think in terms of the the language that we use when we're discussing this as it is happening yeah. widespread within our community mm-hmm. at the moment is we need to distance ourselves from that word because okay. i think that word has a sort of a, a, a connotation yeah. with it and also an mm-hmm. a sort of ease to it as well. A lighthearted yeah. sort of... Yeah, yeah which yeah, this yeah. is absolutely not. For me, this absolutely goes into the areas of, of sort of manipulation, abuse mm-hmm. over someone else. And, and when we're in those contexts, it often comes up when you look at someone who's done something abusive to someone else, mm. the mental health issue weighs into there as mm. well. And and you end up in a, a a frog stew of not knowing where to where to go. But I don't know what Sherry's mental health state mm. is, what help she's seeking, what help yeah. she has, how she feels about herself, whatever. But I do know about abuse, and I do know about yeah. catfishing. Yeah, uh, and and I know a bit about frogs. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and 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 in my honest opinion, this is not. Just a plain catfishing thing, no. and, it, and it has a lightness that that undercuts the brevity of of yeah. what Sherry actually did to these multiple people yeah. in real life. You know, I think mm. that's the difference. There is the is the catfishing happens in our community all the time on our apps or whatever. Yeah. We 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 sort of we sort of accept that. Mm. You know, we, it's in bios. Send me real pics. We're so used to catfishing. Yeah. Uh, um, but this has gone to. This has really had that person play out a sexual fetish for you without them knowing or consenting to the mm. fact that they're part of it. They've also inserted themselves physically, yeah, in used yeah. their influence and power yeah. 
um, which is an argument I have all the time is mm. that people are not aware of the power imbalance mm. when you're a successful performer as mm. opposed to someone who's new to the industry and has used that to uh, mislead and enter into sexual, unknowingly sexual mm. interactions with other people. So that puts it in a different category to me. Yeah, and yeah. I think when we discuss this online, using catfishing, it kind of lessens the impact of what's hap- yeah. happening here. Yeah, and, and I think we would discuss Sherry's apology mm. differently if the opinion was this person had sexually assaulted someone. Yes, you know absolutely, what I mean? yeah. We would view for this sure. much more critically yeah. than what we have. Which, which essentially is what happened. I mean, look, I, I, I read that apology. It does sound quite genuine. I'm sure yeah. that she does feel, she, she used the word that she was disgusted mm. in herself and that sort of stuff. And I believe that that, that is probably how she's feeling. Um, yeah. And look, and I sound like such a, a, cherry, a cherry pie Stan on this episode I don't know why but, but also reading it I was like gosh yeah. I, I just hope you've got some good friends around you yeah. because whilst what she did is absolutely disgusting there is no excuse for it um, she deserved to be taken off the show and all that sort of stuff you've also got to think that this is an individual that the day before that ep- her first episode aired she would have been thinking yeah. oh my god my career is about to go on this amazing trajectory and instead yeah. it's gone the exact opposite so Whilst we don't have to be a fan of Sherry Pie or, or anything like that, I, I just do hope that there are some good people around her just reminding mm. her about, you know, life goes on and, and, yeah. and, and, you know, you can make amends for things and that there is a future because that would be a really hard frame of mind to go from, from you know, thinking everything's going to be amazing to, well, I probably need to pick a new career kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm. Look, I, I don't have much compassion in this, but mm. I think where people, you don't necessarily have to wish someone the worst in the world. No, no. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of people online are, and, and I'm sure you, as much as she probably shouldn't be, she will be online seeing all that sort of stuff. And and, and I'm not calling out the people that, that called her out initially. They absolutely had every right to do that, yeah. and that was the right path to take, and I'm glad that it was taken seriously and that sort of stuff. But then there's a lot of stuff that's come from fans and people that love the show and that sort of stuff, and I just... No one deserves to be you know, in a really, really bad place. Yeah. And I, and I just think it would be so hard to be... I, I, this sounds bizarre that I'm saying this about the person that did such awful things, but I just hope that she has the right people around her because she will have gone from thinking life's about to be amazing to fuck life is really shit. Mm. If these actions do not sit well with your values, the best action you can take is indifference mm. because I feel like people, uh, they see indifference as like a, a vote of approval or, yeah, or like, yeah. you know, and that's why you get these kind of online troll comments or things like that because... Mm. It, it doesn't have to be either or. You, you, if you don't slam someone online, it doesn't mm. necessarily mean you condone their actions. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're indifferent to someone, I'm just indifferent to it. Yeah, I won't post me like. Yeah, thought, exactly. Yeah. And that's the right thing to. You can have you. You can think that they've done the right thing, and and it's part of this whole cancel culture as a whole. Really, I mean, we've created, and it's a very new thing, and we don't really know how it works anymore because it's yeah. so new. But we have created this new kangaroo court basically online, mm. um, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's great that people are getting called out, and, and the Me Too movement came as a result of that, and that's fantastic. Yeah. But it's sort of you know, if you're going to compare it to how crimes work in real life, you're given a um, punishment and you yeah. and you serve whatever that punishment is and then that's the end of it. And so in Sherry's case, you know, we sort of decided, well, you should not be winning RuPaul's mm. Drag Race and you probably should not be given the opportunity to perform in, in, in venues and yeah, I'm not going to go to your gigs anymore. But also for the rest of her online, for, for, or the rest of her life, her online presence is going to be reminding her yeah. that 
that this happened and it's sort of like where when does yeah do you get what I'm saying that- uh, yeah the only the only mm. thing I have to say is like in this case I think there should actually be criminal repercussions for Absolutely. her well yes if, if those people choose to have the strength to go did, to court like, yes yeah. like the initial person said hey I flagged this with campus you know authorities yeah. I brought this to multiple people yeah. and yes. they said there's not enough here yeah. for right, me to okay. do something about yeah. it so I, they had to take it to and I agree that they should have yeah. they've done the right and, thing and and so I think in some ways when I view these actions I go there should be a criminal Absolutely. legal repercussion for this the fact that you just got disqualified mm. from a competition mm. and potentially have to change careers it, it might yeah. be actually a lucky in my opinion you Absolutely. know you and it's court. it's fucked up that that wasn't taken more seriously by yeah. by legal and people. It often and often isn't, and that's why this yeah. culture exists. It yeah. is, yeah. Is it's just sort of at what point has that person served their punishment? And uh-huh. and and there is no answer to that because this is a very new culture, and we don't have we don't mm. know what that end point is. Mm. I think something I thought about while this was all happening is that. Something to keep in mind is that online bullying and trolling is yeah. a different thing to the cancel culture. It can be a byproduct of it, it's the, but it's not the- necessarily the same thing. Cancel culture is people in minorities that have been pushed aside and mm. not listened to, finally having the voice to push back against mm. corporations and make their voices and their dollar count. It's yeah. exactly what we all so- say about. If yeah. you don't like it, say something about it and don't watch it. Yeah. And cancel culture is this way of groups of, of people of color, mm-hmm. um, LGBTQA plus community members saying, I'm not going to support you. Yeah, yeah. You have to do something about this or y'all don't get my money. Yes. Mm-hmm. The offshoot of that of being online bullying and trolling, that's something that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. But and what I, I guess what the- I'm saying is, is that what is what usually follows cancel culture and i just don't i don't want anyone mm. to be suicidal i don't i don't think anyone in the world should be in a place where their life is just tormented for the rest of their life mm. uh, i guess it's, it's it's yeah you're right it is two separate things yeah but the bullying often follows that that initial thing that should be happening and, and yeah where is so the i end hate point? lumping them together yeah you're right is it's, not, it's not it's not fair think, to lump it together but i, I just separate yeah. them out yeah and let's let's work on the way that we bully people online let's work on the way i had a joke about Season 12 being the season of catfish. I didn't get to use it. <laughs> season 5 was season of fish. Yeah. I didn't get to use it. It got dark. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But let's be kind to one another. Yeah. Using your voice online is a really important thing and we should never stop doing that. Yeah. But having some really uh, critical thinking around online bullying is another thing. And, yeah. and, and um, if you get any applications for something called bulk maybe just yeah i, I, I reckon just, sorry i'm trying to lighten it that. but i reckon some some clever gays out there right need to bulk. write the musical he's yeah, yeah. writing bulk right now yeah, yeah. He's melbourne doing fringe festival <laughs> you know i reckon uh, there's a few queens i know that's yeah. already working on this and um and if there's something gay people know it's how to make something beautiful out of anything 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Melbourne Queer Film Festival is the oldest, largest, and most successful queer film festival in the Southern Hemisphere. Not that I know what a hemisphere is. <laughs> and today we're joined by Spiro Economopoulos, the festival's program director. So thank you so much for coming into our little uh, iPod. Yes. Thank show. you for having me on. This is awesome. <laughs> Very excited. Bless you. <laughs> now, the festival opened on Thursday and screens over 100 sessions of queer films over 12 days. Can you talk us through a little bit of the process of what Q the Melbourne Queer Film Festival is like? Um, well, look, it's a bit of a lengthy process. It kind of goes throughout the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a, lot, a lot of my sort of jobs just sort of starts looking at other festivals around the world okay. and seeing what, um, you know, big queer films are kind of coming out and being talked about. A lot of film, you know, big festivals internationally, you know, have big queer prizes in between like Berlin Film Festival mm. and has the Teddy and Khan mm. has the Queer Palm. So you're kind of looking at those kind of festivals to see what's sort of coming out. And, you know, I think the one part I love about the festival is just sort of those surprise films, ones sort mm-hmm. of come out of nowhere and you're like, oh, wow. I didn't mm. expect this. And Are you getting a lot of submissions throughout the year from... We get, from, yeah, people approach you as well and kind of, you know, ask you to take a look at their film, which is always really exciting, um, mainly with shorts, but, you know, some features as well. So, you know, like for me, I think the big discoveries are the ones that, you know, I you know, haven't heard of. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is cool. Mm. So a large part of your job throughout the year is literally just watching queer films. Literally, yes. That, that sounds yeah. fucking I, amazing. I go, to a, I go to a like a festival as well overseas yeah, yeah. and watch oh, a bunch God, of Oh, God, that must be films. hard as well. <laughs> sucks. <laughs> if you ever think about, you know, moving on to another job, can you let me know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What, what other queer film festivals are there? Oh, there's so many. That's incredible. There's so many. One of the biggest ones that I go to quite a bit is Frameline, which is in San Francisco. It's mm-hmm. one of the biggest queer film festivals in the world. Is it's, that in the Northern Hemisphere? That's just <laughs> so <laughs> We're going to do yeah, hemispheres absolutely. now. Oh my God. Uh, and, you know, there's a great one in LA called Outfest in New York as well. There's mm. a lot of, you know, there's BFI Flair is just about to start in a couple of weeks in London, which is really exciting. Berlin obviously cool. has a really great one. There, you know, there's heaps. Mm. And is there, a, I know like a lot of the arts festivals, some of them are really good at sharing information. Some of them are not so good at sharing stuff. Is there sort of a bit of a network? Like, do you help each other out and make suggestions if we something's do. gone well? Say to one of the other festivals, hey, you guys should get this on because we had a really good run with it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's what I really love about going to the festivals overseas is you kind of form these really great communities that we're all kind of, in this together basically yeah. and I think it's really nice to be able to sort of be collaborative in that way and mm. we're, we're actually also part of this um, organisation called the Queer the Asia Pacific Queer Film Festival Alliance mm. and uh, which is an awesome thing to be part of because we're now you know it gives us the ability to kind of reach out to other queer film festivals that you know essentially probably aren't, aren't a lot of people's radars and we get to share our films they show us their films um, and it's really nice to kind of make the festival a bit more kind of international as well in what it's showing. Yeah. Amazing. So uh, this year's uh, festival is quite packed. Uh, what are some of your personal highlights? I mean, it's always hard picking 
a favorite child, mm-hmm. but I will. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, look, you know, I love all the films. I'll yeah. just say well, that they, right yeah. off the bat. Can be I in just there, say I exactly, exactly? But um, you know, there's a few personal favorites for me that resonate for one reason or another, like our centerpiece film, and then we danced, which is this absolutely mm. wonderful Georgian movie, which has some of the best needle drops. I've mm-hmm. seen in a movie for a while, like Robin and Abba, which are amazing. Really, yeah, really cool little moments. Um, a really great film called um, I Miss You, a Bolivian film, which I thought was absolutely wonderful. A real tearjerker as well. And um, I think it's a really interesting film that actually, in its home country, caused you know a real kind of dialogue and conversation, which I thought was really interesting as mm-hmm. well. And you know, I really like that film a lot. So there are two that sort of jumped to mind. Rialto, British mm-hmm. movie, which I thought was really excellent. Any uh, hidden gems that people might... Oh, you know what? There's a movie called Makeup, which I really liked. It's a British film. It's a first-time filmmaker called Claire Oakley. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really great. And it's this really interesting film that kind of... The tone of it, it sort of starts off like you think this is going to be this kind of, I don't know, tense sort of thriller, but in actual fact, it's this kind of really empowering kind of coming out film. And yeah. I really yes. like the way she's approached this story and it's a really interesting film that kind of you know, really keeps you guessing right until the end. That's mm. a, yeah. One thing that I always find with with queer films is that we are very good at putting a bit of a spin on things, and yeah. sort of, and maybe it's because of how we live our lives and that sort of thing. But make you sort of expect that it's one thing, and then really slap yes. you around the face with a bit of a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I think that's where film is great because you can kind of mix genres a little yes. bit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, that was one film because you know I see a lot of coming out stories, obviously, yeah. and that was one movie where I just sort of didn't know where it was going, and mm. I was like, oh, this mm. is exciting. Mm. I think one of my one of my favorite things about the Melbourne Queer Film Festival is people are going to things every night and you sort of are like, okay, I'll just go to this and I'll go to that because mm-hmm. there's a vibe to it. And so you do see a lot of these sort of stranger underground films that you wouldn't normally yeah. see. And some of them are, are just like incredible. So I always think when you're flicking through the, the, the festival guide, you, you know, there are those centerpiece films that, that, that are incredible but also giving time to some of the smaller independent mm. films. And, in a and weird way, it's a lot like a comedy festival, I think, where I, yeah. I, I'll often just go and, and, and sometimes, yeah, I want, want to go, there's specific things that I know I need to go and see. Yeah, yeah. But then there's other stuff in there where you're like, oh, I've never heard of this and I know nothing about it. Mm. And you mm. go and see it. And because of the wonderful curating that you do, uh, you know that you're, yeah. whether it's something that's in your personal taste or not, you know it's going to be a really good, surprising sort of yeah. piece of entertainment. Yeah. And I'm always mm. kind of amazed by, I mean, every year after the festival wraps, I kind of think, you know, where, where do these films end up? I mean, that's the other yeah. thing as well. You're not yeah. really, I mean, I know that queer cinema to a respect has become a little bit more mainstream and mm. the streaming service, but a lot of these films disappear and you literally mm. won't get a chance to see them yeah. anywhere. And I yeah. think, I think that's kind of where festivals like ours are a real sort of, you know, really important kind of place yeah. in that kind of cultural conversation, I suppose. Sometimes mm. they weirdly turn up on like gay torrent sites. <laughs> gay I know torrent this because sites. one of my exes is an actor yeah. and I was looking for pornography and it, <laughs> <laughs> it came up as short film and I was like, oh yeah. my God. But it's like a really lovely film and I thought, oh, hopefully someone downloads this thinking there's some yeah, raw yeah. dogging in this. Yeah. Well, speaking of online, gay men love a bit of Netflix and chill kind yeah. of thing and that's really become a cultural shift yeah. you know people sit at home now and they do that sort of content exploration mm. from the couch yeah um, have you found that that's putting a bit of uh, a ship like making a change in how you are curating the festival uh, has the festival have to change or adapt to the fact that people were used to having 
content chucked at them. I'm watching Love is Blind. That shit's stupid. I don't yeah. even want to watch Look, it. Uh, I think when I first started the job, I was really worried about it. I was mm-hmm. like, just, oh my God, you know, everything's on Netflix. But in actual fact, I think what's happened with places like Netflix and other streaming for services is that the demand for the content has actually created more content. And it's yeah. not necessarily yeah. even just on the streaming services. It's kind of, you know, it's this kind of, roll-on effect or an actual mm. fact uh, it's a good thing it's like a end. gateway drug yeah. it's like a gateway drug <laughs> suddenly you want all the gay films all the time yeah. <laughs> and Netflix is not going to be enough yeah. so I actually think it's really good and I, I actually um, you know I think you know Netflix is on personally has been great in how it supported film you know mm. some filmmakers but mm. yeah it's created a bit of a knock-on effect and also at the same time I think what's really interesting and maybe unique about our festival as well is that it's a real community experience I think people yeah, that's actually that's what I was going to say there is something quite beautiful about sitting yeah, in the room with other at, people and experiencing that is it especially it, yeah. other queers and I think yeah, it's interesting yeah. when you like you might see something at MIF that we would also screen and it's completely different energy in the room yeah, and experiencing yeah, that with a queer audience and mm. I think that is the thing that you know Netflix is never going to be able to do yeah sorry yeah. Netflix mm. well this year of 2020, it is your 30th anniversary, which congratulations, by the way. Not that my is personal fantastic. 30, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you can say so if you'd like. <laughs> he started when he was three. <laughs> very young. Um, how did the festival begin? Like, Well, uh, the festival's history was interesting and kind of came out of Midsummer. Mm-hmm. It was like a kind of side program of okay. queer films that some people put on and like it kind of was born out of the you know the back rooms of hares and hyenas mm-hmm. which is a bookshop in melbourne and uh i think what's really interesting about the festival's history as well and where it started from was actually 30 years ago queer cinema was actually going through this incredible emergence like yeah. it was that that was when the queer new wave was happening and we had filmmakers like gus van sant and todd haynes and you know rose troche and all these you know Pedro Moldovar and all these incredible yeah. filmmakers. So this is where the festival was born out of, this mm. really exciting, vibrant scene. So I guess there was this sort of need to create something that was going to be showcasing these films. And I think I always think that, you know, our festival was kind of, you know, resting on the shoulders of these, you know, really wonderful filmmakers. Because yeah. you couldn't torrent no, happiness no. or something you, like no, that. No, exactly. You really couldn't. I you probably can't now even. I don't know, I haven't tried, but mm. we can't vouch for that on a on an iPod show can we no <laughs> let's, let's not <laughs> but Todd Haynes is a great filmmaker we he's can the best for that. I feel like the stories that are getting told in cinema but also in, in theatre and, and, and books and all that sort of stuff has sort of really evolved how do you feel it's changed over the 30 years since the festival started yeah look I think um, the stories have uh, I guess been more responsive to what's going on in the world today I actually mm-hmm. also think that um you know, because, you know, queer, I guess, visibility in queer stories have become more mainstream and you can see them on TV. And I think it, what it's meant is that filmmakers are looking for new stories to tell um, through a queer lens. So I think we're seeing, you know, real diversity, I suppose, in the storytelling. Mm. And, you know, I think it's interesting this year, for example, that there's at least three or four films in our program that are about queer asylum seekers. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of, you know, an incredible urgent kind of story of our time. And I think queer cinema is reflecting that. And so rather than maybe looking inwards so much, it's kind of looking outwards as well. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think about the theory that queer cinema is not necessarily about the sexuality of it? It's more of an ethos. You know, we had a director on our show like oh, six right. months ago, Thomas yeah. Wilson White, and we got in to talk about how 
queer sim- cinema is born out of the John Waters and the Todd Haynes, and not all of their stories were necessarily about queer people out in the world. No, you you know it was more of a a, a stylistic or a, an attitude Absolutely. to filmmaking. Do yeah. you feel like maybe the stories are shifting more towards? That as opposed to the Love Simons and and the mainstream gay stories that we're seeing, uh, I think uh, queer cinema still has the place and celebrates those outsiders. I think that was what was great about John Waters' stuff. Like this was kind of like outsider art or something, and these were kind of the lives that he wanted to sort of celebrate and still is celebrating. And I think, you know, even looking at the program this year, I think of films like you know Brief Story from a the Green Planet, which is this mm. incredible trans sci-fi movie that's kind mm. of like E.T. You know, it's <laughs> so, yeah, it's really cool. And I think there's a place for all of it, I suppose, mm. is what I'm trying to say in short. I hate Love, Simon, and I hate... <laughs> 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 like, I'm not, I'm not going to... This is why this is a segue. <laughs> like, I'm not going to shy away from the, the sort of the mainstream view of homosexuality no. in, in popular culture at the moment mm-hmm. and how important queer cinema is in because i feel like queer cinema was born out of a a necessity and and a reaction and a kind of a political or or an attitude Mm. and i think we're at that time again where our culture is being co-op co-opted yeah on a constant basis and packaged up Mm. and resold to us uh that i think queer filmmakers are, are, are like on the forefront of of pushing back against that yeah and and saying some incredible mm. things, especially about people of colour yeah. mm. um, um, and people uh, that are outside the gender spectrum yeah. as well. So. And and that's that's actually it as well because I think what's interesting is that this year, for example, I, I would say is probably the least amount of North American films we have in the program. Yeah. Yeah. In no, actual yes. fact, those stories are coming from places where it is still illegal to be gay. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Films like you know our centerpiece movie I mentioned before, and then um, and then we dance. I mean, this movie in um, Georgia was met with protests, and you mm. know, the filmmaker sort of you know the genesis of that story came from him, sort of reacting to a lot of the pride parades that were happening, and people were getting attacked basically. Mm. And yeah. he wanted to you know really make a film that sort of challenged the sort of the masculinity of that culture, and you know really celebrate queer love and desire. And I think. So I think that's the thing, you know, I think we think a lot about mainstreaming in a very focused, and I, want to say, I don't want to say narrow way, about ourselves. Mm-hmm. But in actual fact, there are countries that are making, I think at the moment, really exciting stuff because they're, you know, they're kind of grappling with this still. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, one thing that I really like about the festival is that it does a regional tour. Why is that important for you and, and for, for the festival as a whole? Yeah, I think it's really important uh, that we do reach out to a lot of you know regional queers and mm-hmm. kind of get the festival out there because there can be a lot of isolation with people that are kind of gay and coming out in regional areas. And it's always interesting going out to those spaces and... And sort of, yeah, providing a forum for people to just kind mm. of connect, basically. Mm. Mm. And if yeah. you really, yeah. like, rock their, rock their worlds, yeah. you, you, yeah. you know, like, yeah. what's, what's, that, what's that movie? <sighs> anyway, there's, a, there's this film, <laughs> I'm sure I'll remember, and put it in yeah. the comments, mm. about how when you're in isolated or, like, more remote areas... Uh, you really grapple onto the culture, the pop culture that comes your way from mm. outside that yeah. bubble. And it informs, like, for this person, that this filmmaker, it informed the rest of her life. Mm. Um, just getting uh, tapes sent from, like, New York City yes, uh, to right. South yeah. Korea. You know, oh, it turned yeah. her into, like, a punk in this, like, yeah. really regimented it's world. The Shirkers? Yeah. Or the Shirkers. Yeah, is that it? 
something I, like I that. I think it was called Shirkers. Yeah, right. it's, it's a great, great film, but I think it's that same idea. Like, you take a queer film out to a regional town and you don't know what impact that might mm. have on a young queer person for yeah. the yeah. rest yeah. of their lives. Absolutely. True. That then totally. leads them to yeah. I th- make yeah, it and, and one of the, the the vital things of taking, because for a lot of people it's like, well, you know, why don't you just jump online and watch it? Or why don't you just yeah. go into Sydney and watch it or Melbourne and watch it? And, and it's the same with other queer arts festivals like Chill Out and the Broken Hill Festival and that sort of stuff, is that the people that really need to be hearing these stories and making those connections are often people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds that don't yeah. have the finances to take themselves to Sydney or to Melbourne to go and see this sort of yeah. stuff. And also perhaps might not be out. So, you no. know, can't yeah. can't get together with a group of friends to travel into town to see something. Yeah. So by bringing it there, if they can go and see it, I think it's yeah. a really fantastic thing that you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and, and some people are going to it on their own. And so yeah. it's a really, yeah. it's brave, you know. Like yeah, it's, like absolutely. It's kind mm. of, you know, wanting to kind of connect somehow. To the community, yeah. yeah. So I think it's really, yeah, I think yeah. that's a beautiful thing. And it goes back to what you were saying about the importance of, you know, sitting on the couch and watching something's great, but doing yeah. it with a group of, of other queer people is so empowering and so important. So yeah, absolutely, it's really wonderful. Yeah. Mm. And for all the budding queer filmmakers, um, most of them who have blocked me on Instagram because <laughs> <of> <laughs> their hearts. Is that you? That's me. Oh. Welcome to the show, Spirit. Uh, can you tell us a bit about Pitch? Pitch, please. Pitch, please. So Pitch, please is a competition that we introduced last year and mm-hmm. the cash prize was $10,000. Wow. wow. And it was basically for a filmmaker to go off and make a film and whether it was a short fiction, documentary or web series pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, we are actually showing the winning film of that. They've made the movie. So From last year's. Last year, yeah. yeah. So this is actually going to be screening um, at our opening night and our Australian shorts well, screened at our opening night, sorry. Mm, yeah. And our Australian shorts uh, and awards program. It's the world premiere and you know I was just sort of thinking about this today I'm so proud of it like I think Mm. it's so great that we Mm. as a festival have become sort of not only just people that are putting something on we become generators as well and Mm. kind of content makers and I think it's great to be able to support queer voices and queer filmmakers in that way and we're doing it again this year so Mm. I'm you know sort of already got our six finalists kind of all ready to go um, tomorrow in fact that's so cool what's the process of that like well, the process is a lot of applicants, yeah, and uh, everyone sort of submits. You know, they all you know submit scripts, and mm-hmm. you know, like I think you're sort of also basing it on the viability of it, something okay, you know, yeah. happening mm. if it's set in space or something. I'm yeah, like, you know, <laughs> you're like thumbs if you can up, make that ten thousand dollars shine, sure, yeah. but you know, fuck yeah, uh, yeah. So I think yeah, there's sort of all those kind of things to consider, mm-hmm. and also I think also about whether that. Filmmaker is uh, representing um, diversity as well, yeah. mm-hmm. um, behind the camera and in front of the camera as well. Mm. We yeah. did. We submitted, I think, last year. Did you? Yeah. I think. So. Oh, maybe. Uh, just Luke. It might have been. Just <laughs> <get awkward>. just <laughs> randomly no, I was in a relationship <laughs> and we were doing an application, and then it turned uh, into like a horror film about <gasps> dating oh, right, me. Okay. It was like a queer yeah. horror film about. You know, being in a relationship with you. <laughs> yeah. That is scary. Yeah. yeah, I have nightmares about that. It had like a person of color in it. It was a horror film, but I think it didn't tick off any of the like nice spots. Yeah. Like, I love it horror like films. A- I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'll send it in again. Send it in. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. figure it out DM. Uh, before we finish up, you mentioned John Waters before. You are a huge John love Waters John fan. Waters. Uh, for those uninitiated can you tell us a little bit about who he is and how his work informed <laughs> queer, queer filmmaking today 
Well, he's from Baltimore. <laughs> yes. Um, he actually introduced a, a screening of his that we did a few years ago as yeah. well, which oh, is really cool. exciting. Um, he comes to Melbourne a lot. He, he was does. like yeah. two months ago. Yeah. yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. He did like a sort of video recording for us, which is cool. I think he's just, he was a filmmaker that really was sort of someone who was completely outside the box, even mm. in queer sort of culture mm. as well. He was totally his own voice and sensibility. And I think that's what I love about him. And but that's what he celebrates, mm. you know, for you to kind of fly that flag and mm. be you know who you want to be and he kind of created his own sort of superstars you know yeah. like the he's kind of he was his version of the warhol sort of studio but it was oh, yeah. The, yeah. yeah it mm-hmm. was the john waters troupe and people yeah. like divine and you know yeah. he really yeah. sort of celebrates outsiders and sometimes yeah. mass murderers even who yeah <laughs> tend to you know sort of reference you know quite a few of his films as well and i don't know what can i say about him I mean, hmm. yeah d- d- he's the best when did you see... I saw Female Trouble when I was like 13 yeah. and it like blew my mind because I actually thought it was like a cartoon. It yeah. was so insane. Well, I think well, my introduction to him was probably Polyester and it was a mm. scratch and sniff version yeah, of it yeah. at the movies and I was like, wow. So they literally wild. gave you a scratch they and sniff. They literally gave you a scratch oh, wow. and sniff. So John Waters. Which is the... I want <laughs> to introduce to the festival, but they, won't, they won't have it. They won't have it. Oh. <laughs> Imagine if they did it with Pink Flamingos. Mm. Yeah. Dog that shit would, as yeah. the last one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that film is still Can you explain totally the context subversive. of that for yeah. people yeah. that have no <laughs> idea? People know what that is. Some people have no idea what we're talking about. Divine eats dog shit at the end. Yeah. Yes. For real. Spoiler alert. Do you know I once did drag and someone said to me, oh my God, you look exactly like Divine. I was like, oh. Take that as a highest compliment. High thank you. I don't, it wasn't what I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming in uh, to our little Vespa oh, Studio Spirit. Yeah. Really yes. appreciate it. Now, if people want to, there's still, what, uh, seven days left of the program. If people want to jump on and have a look at what's happening in, and book tickets. Uh, website's probably the best way to do it, mqff.com.au. We have an app as well. You've you got an download. app. You've yeah. got an app. Love it. Yeah, so get mm. on the app even. You know, mm. Heaven. Swipe right. We'll see you at the closing night party. Mm. I'll yeah. send you an email later too. I got a little pitch. Okay. Is this the horror? What about Dave? It's about him killing yeah. three people that he works with on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to put it in outer space now. You gave me a new idea. No, I said don't put it in outer space. <laughs> Not for That's 10 a hot, grand. Hot tip for 2021, guys. Don't set it in outer space if you're, you're, you're appli- uh, applicating. Applicating. <laughs> A lot of stuff covered in that episode, and it yes. did get a bit full on and intense. But thanks for being here did for it? the ride, everybody. Yes, it did. You can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash gazerevoltingpod. Yep, or you can follow us on our Twitter or Facebook at the Revolting, as always. Yeah, and if someone wanted to chuck us a nice review, Luke, where would they go? We've got two more to go. <laughs> two more. <laughs> you have no right? idea because you've, you've never listened to an episode of this podcast so you don't know where to find it. But people can no. log on to Apple or wherever you get your podcast and give us an yeah. interview. Oh, we're in Sydney. Lovely. No, we've done that. <laughs> we already done met, that, oh, Sorry, girl. before we go, I met a really amazing fan of the show, James, who's a part of our uh, online Facebook uh-huh. group. group. I, I met him trying to sneak into Jula, oh I saw the photos yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Jula, Jula yes. Leap yes yes Leap's Mr. concert Mr. Leap the, the thing is no one got into that concert no so. <laughs> jokes on any everybody but I just wanted to say thank you to James for, for yeah. his lovely words that day I was getting knocked around by muscles mm-hmm. left right and centre and, and it really made my day and you've supported our show so much yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's you. incredible it meant a lot to me it made my Sydney trip Oh, that's all, all the more better. Yeah, yeah. I Not really bad. wanted to. I didn't know how to. F- 
yeah. fit that into a topic about RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> yeah. So we'll do it now, but oh, thank that's you. Very sweet. Well, that's it for today, everybody. Stick around for our after show if you are a patron. But yeah. if not, we will see you next week. Bye. Mm. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.